0: Hi, I'm Kayla and I'm Alicia and you're listening to True Crime Exposed.
1: guys, we did a little update last week on a case that we have covered before. And now this week, I want to do another little update on a different case. I'm sure many of you follow the Daybell slash Valo case. And we did a four-part deep dive, deep dive series into that, where we got really into the backgrounds, really into what happened. I think at the time we did that coverage, Lori was deemed incompetent and wasn't able to face trial. In Idaho, because Idaho does not have any sort of insanity plea. So in able, for her to be able to go to trial, she had to be deemed competent enough to go to trial. Well, that has happened. She was deemed com- competent within the last couple of months. She went to a trial and she is set to appear in court for her crimes in October of this year, 2020. Now, Chad's trial is set for January-ish, I think, of 2023. But their trials right now are conjoined. Like they are being tried together. So I assume Chad's trial will be moved up with Lori's in October. It's kind of like the Myra Henley and Ian Brady case we covered. They were tried together for all those murders. And that's what they're doing here with Lori and Chad. They're being tried together together. Now, with them having separate dates as of now, the only way they'll keep those separate dates since they're together is if a judge actually separates their trial. So I guess we will just have to wait and see what happens there. And they also moved their trial, I know, from here near us in Madison County, which is in Rexburg, where Chad lived and his kids grew up and all of that. They moved the trial over to Boise, which is in Ada County, about four hours west of where we're at. So there's a little update on Chad and Lori's case. I am excited for them to go to court just because I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready to see what they get. Now for today's episode, I used a few different sources and some of you might know it if you're avid Dateline listeners or watchers like me and my mom. So I first heard about this case when Dateline shared one of their episodes on their podcast and then I watched the episode. I also watched Kendall Ray's YouTube channel for information on this. Both Dateline and Kendall Ray worked with the families in this case. So That was really helpful in their research and then I used Kansas City Magazine and a few other sources just to cross-reference all of that. And it's a case that's honestly pretty mind-blowing to me that there hasn't been more done to arrest the person who is responsible for Angela Green's disappearance. Are you ready for today's case? Back in 2019, Ellie Green was at home with her parents, Angela Green and Jeff Green, when this argument starts between her and her mom. Ellie had just gotten home from a couple months studying abroad in Italy after her freshman year of college at the University of Kansas. Is that where Shannon went? The University of Kansas?
0: Yes and no. No, I don't think so. (laughs) He went to the University of Kansas City, Because he worked there, right? A DO school.
1: Okay, okay. I didn't know if it was the same thing. Shannon's my stepdad. He loves Kansas City. I knew he went to school out there somewhere, but I didn't know if that was the same one. Anyway. Yeah, I don't think so. Angela was upset with Ellie because over the past year, she had barely seen her. And then Ellie just goes off to study abroad, and now she is home. Yet Angela still feels like Ellie is barely spending any time with her. And that's because Ellie wants to go see her boyfriend all the time and she's been busy between her job and her schoolwork. And this isn't some huge deal and Angela probably wasn't so mad about the whole situation as she was sad. Maybe she had her feelings hurt as she watched her only daughter grow up and grow distant. But I have heard this one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. So Angela was a tough mom Maybe she could come off a little cold sometimes, and those sad emotions may have just come out as anger during their fight. Soon, Angela is upset, so upset, that she asks Ellie to leave the home, kicking her out. Wasn't she, like, Chinese? Yeah, she was, yeah, she was born in China. So, yeah.
0: And I kind of get- So she's, like, one of those, have you ever read the book, like, the Chinese, I, I think it's called Tiger Mom?
1: Yeah, that's funny because that's what Ellie calls her mom. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I kind of do talk about that later, like kind of the stereotype um, for a mom in that culture. And Angela does kind of fit that. Yeah. So, you know, she gets upset. She kicks her out. And Ellie's frustrated with the whole fight. But her boyfriend lives nearby and she's an adult. So she will just go over to his house and stay there till this whole thing blows over. It didn't feel like this crazy fight to her, although Angela had never asked her to leave the house before. Ellie knew they would get past this. Her and her mom had always been super close and connected. So Ellie calls up her boyfriend, his name's Zach Krause, and she's crying to Zach about this fight and having, you know, to gather up her things and leave her home. And she asked Zach if his parents would be okay with her staying there until she could repair things with her mom. She explains that it shouldn't be long. Again, they're close. Moms and daughters, they fight, but this wasn't the end of the world. So Zach's parents agree and Ellie heads over there. And then a day goes by and two days and then soon three days and Ellie is a little taken back, confused that her mom hasn't reached out to her yet. Was this fight a way bigger problem than Ellie had originally thought? So Angela Green was born in 1968 in Beoding, Hebei, China, which I'm probably not saying that right, obviously, but that's the best I can do. (laughs) And she grew up there. She had at least one sibling that I know of. It's a sister, Catherine. And it's when Angela is in her early 20s that she is introduced to Ellie's dad. And this is Jeff Green. They met there in China while Jeff was working in the area and the two hit it off. They had gone on their first date to a hard rock cafe there in China and Catherine remembers them being super flirty together and Angela was very attracted to how tall Jeff was, which is funny. I think I've never paid attention to tallness, I think, because I'm so short. Do you feel the same? Mm, I don't know. That's like a stereotype, like a lot of girls like tall guys never have paid attention because I'm one, and you're 4'11, so I would assume that doesn't bother you either
0: (laughs) i don't like tall super tall guys for myself because they're too tall for you because you're like legally a midget i just don't get it like people feel like they can always comment on short people Mm -hmm. but i don't sit there and go well um i think legally you're obese (laughs) that's true or, um, I don't tell people like, oh, you maybe have Mar fans because you're so freaking tall. Like, that's just like a. Do people genetic. say stuff to you a lot about being super short? Yeah, like all the time. It's like always make comments on my shortness. I could see that. Which is fine. I don't really care because I don't care that much that I'm short. But like lately, I've been like, well, I mean, they're commenting on my physical appearance. Like, why do
1: people think that's okay? Yeah, that is true. I could see you getting comments a lot because people say stuff to me randomly about being short. Not too much. I mean, I am short, but you're like really short. So I could see people being like, whoa, you're so short.
0: I know. And then I don't go like, what if I was like, whoa, you're super (laughs) fat.
1: You're like, (laughs) yeah, they would be very offended. Um, yeah that's so funny they really would (laughs) we've had that discussion lately (laughs) it's been bugging you lately yeah Uh. so at the time Angela meets Jeff remember she's in her 20s while Jeff is 13 years older than her so he's probably somewhere in his 30s when they meet and Jeff he does have to go back to the United States when he finishes finishes up work in China, but the couple is connected at this point and they don't want to break it off. So they continue a long distance relationship for the next year before Angela decides she wants to move to America and start a family. She was riddled with worry and nerves because her primary language was Mandarin. I mean, she could read and write a little bit in English, but she just wasn't super strong with it. However, she was excited because she was in love and ready for this next step. So when Angela moves to America, she doesn't move right in with Jeff. She actually lives with her sister's family at first. Now, I assume Catherine must have moved to the United States before Angela. And this was probably another driving force to Angela's move. Catherine's daughter, Michelle, was six years old when Angela moved in and she was close with her aunt. Angela would actually help dress her up and put makeup on her. She would take her shopping. And at that time, Michelle really looked up to her aunt. So Angela was really stunning and she had this really good sense of style. When she first moved to the U.S., she dabbled into some modeling before moving in with Jeff and eventually becoming a mother, which became her entire world. Catherine and Michelle, Angela and Jeff, they all lived in Kansas, but when Michelle turns 10, her family decides to move to New York. And once Angela gives birth to Ellie, Catherine starts to notice this distance growing between them. Not only were they far apart in actual distance now, but Angela was ignoring her calls more often and she wouldn't even speak to her sister in Mandarin anymore, which is the language they grew up speaking So Catherine felt like it was Jeff who wouldn't let Angela speak Mandarin. She thought that if Jeff was speaking English, then his wife needed to speak English as well. I guess as their marriage had gone on, Catherine, who had said originally that they were really flirty and she thought Angela really liked him, she had grown at this point to feel that Jeff was a controlling husband and Angela, she didn't have her own bank account, she didn't use social media, she barely ever left the house alone, and it does seem that she relied heavily on Jeff. Now, I don't know if this is because she is, he was very controlling or if it was due to her being uncomfortable in a foreign country, even after all these years. On Dateline, it stated that once they move in together in America, Jeff gets a job in IT. And then on Kendall Ray's YouTube channel, she states that Jeff worked at the courthouse. Both sources worked with Ellie and Michelle in their research, so maybe both are true. Like, when he first gets back to America, he gets into IT, and then he ends up getting a job at the courthouse. Anyway, something along those lines with Jeff. Angela herself had worked for an insurance company for a short period of time, but Once she became a mother, that took over her life, and not in a bad way. Angela loved being a mom, and she was a great housekeeper who thrived in working on their yard, keeping her gardens nice. Neighbors even remember her outside in the middle of winter, shoveling the snow and making sure that their home appeared nice and clean. I can tell you one thing for sure, you will not catch me outside shoveling snow ever. So... (laughs) The family, they weren't super close with neighbors or really anyone. They were a quiet and reserved family who kept to themselves and thrived in raising their only daughter. Well, this was Angela's only daughter. Apparently, Jeff had actually been married before Angela and he had a daughter in that marriage. But it doesn't seem that he kept in contact with this daughter because Ellie never makes mention of having a sibling. She is always referred to as an only child. Jeff had actually kept that history of his a secret from Angela during their entire first year of their relationship which makes me think that they he must not have told her until she moved to America because that entire first year of their relationship they were doing the long distance dating and then she came to America right after so I'd be kind of pissed like not pissed that he had a kid but you just have to tell people that stuff. Yeah. So growing up, Ellie always knew she was super loved by her mom. Angela doted on her daughter, sent her love notes in her lunchboxes, and went above and beyond for her. Ellie was Angela's entire world. Honestly, it seems that her daughter was her best friend. Again, she wasn't close with really anyone besides her family, so she put everything she had into Ellie. And let's remember that Angela grew up in China. I mean, you kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. I'm not sure if you've ever listened to Joe Coy, he's a comedian and he talks about his Asian mom. I think he puts it into a really great perspective and it's hilarious, but you know, we've all heard that stereotype that in Asian culture, mothers are very strict and this may or may not be a true stereotype for many families, especially Asian American families, but it did ring true for Angela. Like you said, the there was that whole book or whatever about a tiger mom. And I said, Ellie did call her mom tiger mom. She had super strong expectations, but she was also soft and loving. Ellie learned to speak multiple languages. She of course spoke English, but her mom also wanted to teach her Mandarin because that's what she spoke very fluently. And when Jeff and Angela just couldn't quite get their own communication right, Ellie would step in and often be a translator for them. Angela had learned to speak English over all these years, but still it could be broken up and they didn't always communicate seamlessly. All of this comes back around to that fight Ellie and Angela had about Ellie wanting to spend too much time away and that background gives some perspective on why. Ellie was Angela's whole world it's hard enough to become an empty nester or watch your baby grow up and move out of the house and then on top of that Angela seemed to rely very much on Ellie even more than a typical mother-daughter relationship so when Ellie moved out Angela lost weight she couldn't sleep she wasn't eating and she was depressed Yeah, very depressed. Which is pretty sad to... It's so sad. I mean, she really didn't have anyone. It doesn't seem like she had a lot of friends here in America. It seriously seems like she had her husband and like her daughter. I know. And it seems that she connected more with
0: her daughter. And to focus (laughs) on your kids so much that you have no other hobbies, no other friends. Yeah. It'd be hard when they move out. Yeah, because she's
1: like, no, you're my person. Like yeah, your whole life would change. Yeah. And I'm sure that's why Ellie chose a college that was like nearby because she still went, you know, to the University of Kansas, which they lived there in Kansas. But just her becoming an adult and having that freedom to like, oh, now I have a boyfriend. Oh, now I can go out with friends. Obviously, she's taking advantage of that because it seems like through high school, even Ellie didn't have a lot of other friends outside of her mom and her dad. Like she, Michelle explains that during those years, Angela and Jeff were Ellie's best friends because, again, she's their only daughter. They doted on her. She was working super hard in school. And yeah, she just takes this opportunity in college to, you know, spread her wings, do her own thing. (laughs) Well, good for her. I mean, that is the goal, right? Yeah. Teach your children how to become independent. Yeah exactly I'm sure it was just hard for Angela to watch like I mean and it shows that Ellie was working so hard in school I'm sure she didn't even have time for friends because she had learned four languages she maintained a 4.0 GPA she graduated valedictorian like she had really been a very like obedient well-disciplined child who really wanted to please her parents yeah so this is how that fight gets so heated. Because Angela's trying to hold on to her baby and Ellie doesn't want to be a child anymore. This is a very normal push and pull for parents and their children, I think. Especially like we said, this is kind of like amplified. Yeah, and I wonder if in the
0: Chinese culture it's different. Yeah. I think.
1: I actually don't know.
0: know. Yeah, I so, think generations live with each other. That's I don't know.
1: true. Yes, I actually have heard that. I don't know for sure. I'd love to know like exactly, but I have heard that. It's like grandparents living with their kids, living with, you know, their kids. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of them live together. I have heard that. So that actually makes a lot of sense. Angela's like, "Mm -mm." like you don't move out and go to college and like leave (laughs) me here. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so hard. So Ellie expected the fight to blow over before finding out three days after going to stay with her boyfriend, Zach, that her mom was now in a mental health facility facility forcibly admitted by her dad. Jeff, he had simply texted Ellie to let her know she could come home if she wanted because Angela would actually be staying in this mental health hospital. And he goes on to say that he called and he asked these workers to come and get her from a grocery store parking lot. He didn't want to embarrass her by having them come get her from their home because maybe she wouldn't be ready for the day or maybe the house would be untidy, as he puts it. Rather, he said that Angela always made sure to look good when leaving the house and he wanted her to look her best, I guess, when these workers came in to take her away. So weird. And then he goes on to let Ellie know that he is organizing her mom's things And he would be at home whenever she wanted to come around, come back, stay at the house. But he does have one request. Do not tell anyone about your mom going away, especially not your mom's family. We don't need everyone involved right now. We really just need to figure out what's going on with her mental state. Ellie is slightly confused, but she trusts her dad. And she's like, okay, whatever. That's fine. But mom is going to need her things, especially if she was just taken from the parking lot of a grocery store. So how can I get to her to bring her clothes and shampoo and whatever else she might need? But Jeff stops her right there. No, no, you cannot go see her. It's best for you and your safety that you keep distance from your mom for now until we know more about what's going on. So he's giving her the same reason that she can't tell anyone as the same reason she also can't see her mom or know what hospital her mom has been taken to. Again, Ellie is a little taken back, but what can she do about it? So she just lets the next few weeks ride out. Quote, I knew my mom acted kind of weird, like looking back, she may have had anxiety. She didn't like driving on the highway. She liked things to be perfect. She would drop me off at school and be happy and then she would pick me up and be mad about something from five years earlier. But I didn't know she needed to be taken away. End quote. And I, it does sound like Angela did rely heavily on Ellie and on Jeff to be her support system. She didn't want to go to the grocery store alone, and maybe she did have some anxiety. But I think a lot of this probably stemmed from being in a foreign country. But Jeff has convinced Ellie at this point that her mom needed mental help, and it was a good thing that she was going away for just a bit. Yeah, it's kind of weird because
0: you would think that the dad would discuss this with an adult child. Oh, absolutely. About her mom. Yeah. To let her know like what he was thinking and what was going on. No, this is
1: super sketchy. (laughs) So it's just a few weeks later on July 16th, 2019 that Ellie is watching Zach play frisbee. She had really been staying at Zach's house more often than at her own house still ever since her and her mom got in that fight. Like she continued to stay with Zach and his family. Now, her dad texts her and says he has news, but he needs to deliver it in person. So he comes to Zach's house and he gets out of his car and he just says to Ellie right there in the driveway, Angela died of a stroke. First, he doesn't say mom. He says Angela. And Ellie falls down to her knees. She's crying. She's super sad. And Zach, he runs into his parents' room to let them know what's going on. And they come out. They bring her inside. They sit her on the couch. And they're hugging her. And through all of this, Jeff just gets back into his car and he drives away. Zach's mom was a little uneasy about the whole thing. She wanted to know more information about Angela's death. Hello details like if someone dies you don't just say hey this person died and see ya especially when you're you're the dad and the mom is the one who died yeah (laughs) so Zach's mom she calls Jeff and she's like hey can we go to lunch and just talk about what happened I'd love to get more details and help Ellie work through this. He tells her at lunch the following day that when he was at work, someone calls him from the hospital, the hospital that Angela was staying at, and they called to tell him that she was dead from a stroke. I guess they had checked on her that night and she was fine, but in the morning she was unresponsive. But that's all he really knows. So Zach's mom is wondering a little if there was more to the story, like was Jeff trying to protect Ellie at this point? Zach's mom feels that maybe suicide was involved and this is why Jeff is keeping it kind of secret, which makes sense because that's kind of what you would think with someone being in a mental health facility, they end up passing away and then their spouse is being kind of secretive about it. Like at this point.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It makes
1: sense that she would think maybe suicide is something that Jeff was trying to keep sort of hidden. And Ellie wasn't doing so good she was really grieving her mom she wasn't feeling herself she says quote I had my feet on the ground and would touch things but it didn't seem like they were really there end quote her mom had always been there for her like I said she put notes in her lunchbox. she also sewed costumes how do you say sewed like suit is it sewed just sewed (laughs) that sounds so weird that's a weird word so she would sew costumes for school plays, and Ellie just could not stop thinking about her. And she had all these questions, but her dad didn't want to talk. I mean, he had always been the quiet parent, he was always out there tinkering with vintage cars, while Angela was the boss of the household. She was more outgoing, and she was really strict with Ellie. So Ellie. And her dad kind of had this great relationship where she could lean on him when she was really needing just a break from her mom. And he'd just give her a hug. They could work on the cars together. But he is definitely more passive. So him not wanting to talk, Ellie just took as his weird, you know, odd way of grieving. But on top of all of this secrecy surrounding this death, Jeff also decides he wants no memorial service. He wants no funeral. But then Jeff, he asks Ellie for another favor. It's similar to the favor he asked when he says Angela went to the mental health facility. He tells Ellie that he is not ready to tell all of Angela's family that she has died. So he wants to keep this a secret yet again. Okay, guys, so my mom's no longer going to be in the episode. We are having so many technical difficulties. It is my freaking computer. My computer sucks. So we tried that recording, stopped 5,500 times, and it's taking forever. So I'm going to finish out this episode and then figure out something about my computer or get a new computer so that next week we are back and ready to roll. Sorry. You will no longer hear from her. Bye, mom. Sorry. It would have been fun to talk with her about this next segment. But, you know, we do what we can to get this episode out to you when my computer sucks. So Ellie is obviously super confused when her dad asks her not to tell her mom's family that her mom was dead. That's a super, super weird request. But again, her dad's passive and she thinks he's just grieving. At this point in her life, she has had no reason not to trust Jeff. So months go on and almost seven, eight months later, Ellie decides she needs to tell her family now, her mom's family. Once they moved to New York and Angela distanced from them, Ellie was young and she never really had a relationship with them. Now that her mom was gone, she really wanted to get to know this part of her family And at this point, Ellie's dad had told some of his family members about Angela's death. So regardless of the fact that she knew Jeff would be frustrated with her going against him, she decides to call her mom's family. Now, before we can put any judgment on Ellie for not calling sooner, we have to remember Ellie is an only child to Jeff and Angela. I mean, we know Jeff has that other daughter that he apparently doesn't take care of, but you know. Only child to them two together. And they were very close. She always was a parent pleaser, pretty much. She got the 4.0. She was a valedictorian. She did everything her parents expected of her. She was an obedient child. So going against what her dad was asking her to do was a huge deal. We have to remember that through these months, she had to not only grieve herself, but she had to go through working out in her mind that like, okay, this is weird. And then going through like, why is this weird? Why doesn't he want me to tell? Okay, I don't feel right about this. And then deciding to disobey her father, which was probably one of the very few times she went against what he asked of her. It makes sense to me that time would go on so long. I can see a lot of people being like, oh my gosh, why wouldn't she tell her family sooner? Like that's so weird. But I mean, she was barely 18, she was barely an adult, and she was just figuring it out herself. She ends up doing the right thing. So she does call Angela's sister, Catherine, and her sister and niece, Michelle, hadn't heard from Angela for a while by this time. And again, they had grown distant over the years, and Catherine knew that Angela would ignore her calls if she was being busy or stubborn or just wasn't in the mood to talk. But they were frustrated because there was a wedding in Virginia planned for that year, a family wedding, and Catherine kept trying to get a hold of Angela to see if she was coming. And she thought it was pretty rude that Catherine continued to ignore her. But all that time, Angela was dead. Well, that's what Jeff says, right? Angela died in the mental health facility. So while Catherine and Michelle are frustrated that Angela is ignoring them about this wedding. Really, Ellie and her dad Jeff are in Kansas grieving Angela Green's death. Ellie said, quote, it was a horrible phone call, the worst one I've ever given in my life, end quote. And it's during that phone call to Catherine, Angela's sister, that Michelle, her own daughter, calls her and she switches over line. She's like, hold on, Michelle's calling me. She's like, hey, I'm not sure what's going on. Ellie, your cousin, I, she's on the other line. I think she's trying to say that her mom died. And Michelle knows that Ellie's mom is her mom's sister. So she's like, absolutely, go back to that call. Let me know what happened. So Catherine and Ellie finish up their phone call. Catherine is devastated by the news of her sister's passing. And she calls Michelle after to let her know what was going on. And after Michelle talks to her own mom, she kind of feels off about this whole death. Why did it take so long to let them know? It was during Catherine and Ellie's conversation that Ellie is like, my mom died. She died on the 16th. And at this point, it's like February 12th, around that date. And Catherine says, like, how did... She died on the 16th when it's the 12th, and that's when Ellie says, no, no, no. She died on July 16th, months and months earlier, seven months earlier at this point. So once Michelle is off the phone with Catherine, she decides to call her cousin Ellie herself. Now, these two, they really didn't know each other. Again, they were not close. They only ever saw each other on you know, like Chinese New Year and other holidays, and not even saw each other in person. I think that's just when they would maybe make a phone call to the family members. Michelle and Ellie probably didn't even really talk on the phone. It was probably their moms, and it's like, oh, hey, say hi to the family. Like it was very, very minimal contact. So Michelle calls and she's like, hey, I want to know about my aunt's death. What happened to your mom? tell me what's going on. And Ellie reiterates the ambush about the grocery store parking lot and going to this mental health facility. Well, Michelle, she's a lawyer in New York. So she catches on to this being very strange. Like, excuse me, but you need a warrant or some sort of legal paperwork to just take someone off the street. And then Michelle says that their family doesn't even have a history of strokes. So how did... Angela, a healthy young woman, just died of a stroke out of nowhere when she was seemingly healthy the night before. And then Michelle moves on to asking about the funeral, the memorial, the memorial service. And Ellie's like, no, no, my dad didn't want one. It was just too much. He was grieving. And Michelle says, OK, well, was there a death certificate? Ellie replies, asking what a death certificate is. Michelle explains that every person who dies has a death certificate. It will be in the city and state that this person died in. So Ellie goes to the office of Vital Records in Topeka, Kansas, and she's looking for a death certificate for Angela Green. And the worker, she's looking, she's looking, she's looking. Ellie feels like she's been sitting there for an hour, and the only thing they can come back with is a marriage license for Angela Green. There is no death certificate and this news puts Ellie's mind into a tailspin. She knows it's not good and she wants an explanation. She goes back to her dad and she asks him where did mom die and he replies Kansas of course you know she was taken from this grocery store parking lot the hospitals here in Kansas I'm pretty sure she died here. And Ellie tells him that that's not the truth because she just went to the vital records office in Topeka, Kansas, and Kansas has no death certificate for Angela Green. Jeff kind of stumbles across his words and he's like, well, I'm not really sure. Maybe it was Missouri. Maybe it was somewhere else. You know what? I'll look at it later. But this isn't sitting right. And when Ellie calls Michelle to let her know this update in information that there is, in fact, no death certificate, Michelle decides it's time to call the police. She wants a welfare check on Angela and she tells them it's because they haven't heard from her in quite a long time and Angela's husband is telling their daughter that Angela has died. So it's Sergeant Adam Taylor who says that patrol officers respond to this call. They go to do a welfare check on Angela. They canvass the neighborhood and neighbors say, yeah, we actually haven't seen her for quite a long time. Remember, Angela was always keeping up their yard, doing lots of housework, and their yard was out of control at this point. One neighbor said that she would have never let that happen. He had an inkling she wasn't around anymore. But when officers knock on the door, they ask Jeff, where is Angela? And he's like, oh, no worries. She's actually just away for the weekend. And that's weird because we know he told Ellie Seven months earlier, her mom died. But now all of a sudden, she's away for the weekend? Red flags, Jeff. They reiterate this to Michelle. Police call back. They're like, hey, we were not able to make contact with Angela Green. But her husband says she's just away for the weekend. It's not a big deal. And Michelle is super taken back. And she asks police, You know that he told his daughter she's dead, right? Like something's going on. But police don't really have anything else to go on at this point. So after that welfare check, Ellie decides she's going to call Brad and Marva. This is her dad's brother and brother's wife. And Ellie tells them what's going on. They were actually on vacation in Florida. And from this call, they decide to abruptly end that vacation. It's during this phone call that they tell Ellie an accident may have happened, and it sounds like Jeff, Ellie's dad, should get a lawyer. But when they come back from Florida, they don't decide to help the police. They don't decide to help Ellie. They actually refuse to talk to police, and I read about them there in Kansas City Magazine, who they also never responded to for the coverage on this story. Things are just not sitting right with anyone, with Michelle and Catherine, with Ellie, and not with Zach's parents, who Ellie's staying with. They decide they'll go with Ellie to the police department to file a missing persons report. And while they are there, Jeff decides to call Ellie. She puts it on speakerphone, and he doesn't know she's at the police station. He doesn't know that Zach's parents are there. And everyone decides they will put it on speaker and record the phone call. And Jeff starts explaining, you know what, Ellie, that trip you took to Topeka, it really shook me. I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm wondering, oh my gosh, maybe she is alive. And Ellie's like, okay, dad, well, that makes no sense. You need to start the story from the beginning. And she asks about Angela being taken from the parking lot. Jeff replies, you know what? That was a lie. He explains that he lied about the whole t- being taken from the parking lot to a mental health facility. And he lied about this because Angela actually just ran off. And he didn't want to hurt Ellie by telling her that her mom just left her behind and Ellie thinking that Angela would just run off with a stranger or something. But Ellie, she doesn't believe him. She wants the truth. And he says, this is the truth. Angela disappeared on her own. That whole story, it was made up. Yes, I lied that one time, but that was just to protect your feelings because you know what daughter would want to live with knowing that their mom would just up and leave them. And although he did lie about that part of the story, he says that he did not lie about someone calling him to tell him that Angela had died. It's during this phone call, That he says, he decides with this stranger on the phone, oh my gosh, my wife died. I want her cremated. And he arranges all of this over the phone. Again, with a stranger, he can't say the name. He can't say who called him. He has no idea who called him to tell him this. But he arranges this whole cremation and he's going to have the ashes delivered to the house. This urn he says he was having delivered it cost $1,500 and Ellie she's like mm, she doesn't really believe that her dad would spend $1,500 on an urn from a dude who called him over the phone to let him know that his wife died but gave no information. She, It just makes no sense obviously. It makes no sense to any of us. But Jeff he continues with this wild story digging himself into an even deeper hole when he says... You know what? I didn't even check the urn until last weekend. Like when you told me that there was no death certificate for your mom, I all of a sudden was like, maybe I need to check this urn. Was she really cremated? And then he explains to Ellie that it's then he looks inside the urn and there are no ashes. Quote, oh wow, maybe she isn't dead. End quote. That is what Jeff tells his daughter Ellie. But Ellie, it, she knows this isn't true. This is fabricated. These are stories. None of it even makes sense. And she tells her dad, even if you're trying to protect me, I want the truth. Please tell me the truth. And Jeff just replies with a yes, I will before they both say I love you and hang up the phone. Zach's mom was pissed. She's confused. She's frustrated. Everyone all of a sudden is very suspicious of Jeff. The whole death thing was weird in the first place. Remember, they were already confused about why there was no memorial, why why there was no funeral. But no one ever thought it was because there was foul play and that Jeff was lying about the whole thing. But now it's pretty clear what's going on. Police are also suspicious. That phone call was super weird, and they decide they have to talk to Jeff. But Jeff refuses to talk with police. No matter how many times they try to get in contact with him, he says, nope, I won't be talking, and he hands them his attorney's card. Police tell Dateline, we just want to know his side of the story. At this point, they don't even know that he had anything to do with this, They just want to know what happened. I mean, clearly they could see from his conversation with Ellie that he had lied about a lot of things surrounding Angela and her disappearance, but they haven't talked to him themselves, so they don't fully know what's going on. And don't you think if your wife goes missing or your loved one, your spouse, anyone who you care about, you would be in the police station talking about it every day. I'd be calling them every day. I would not ever give up until they were able to find this person. I would never be able to stop thinking about it. So it's very weird that Jeff is doing this. Since Jeff won't talk, police decide they can pursue other angles, and they decide to go and search for Angela's death certificate themselves. Not only did Angela Green not have a death certificate in the state of Kansas, but there is no death record in the entire country. And they wonder to themselves, could she still be alive? And this is when Sergeant Taylor starts looking into where Angela could have gone. He checks local hospitals to see if maybe she did admit herself into a hospital, into a mental health facility, into a rehab, something like that where she was out of contact with the world. But there's no records of that. They can't find that this ever happened. And then they check travel records to see if she ever used her Chinese passport, to see if she left the country, to see if she bought any plane tickets anywhere. But again, there's no sign of Angela. They check cameras throughout the city and in the airports and in the hospitals and still no sign of Angela. I mean, it has been eight months before this investigation could even start. Getting a start on an investigation this late is or can be very detrimental to a investigation. Once police exhaust all efforts to find Angela alive and come back unsuccessful, they decide in March of 2020 to execute a search of the family home as well as a storage unit that Jeff owned. So they have Ellie come to the home while they take Jeff down to the police department to get him out of the way. There's crime scene tape up all around it and police brought cadaver dogs. Were they searching for a body in that yard? Well, they don't find anything and Jeff still refuses to talk. And that's that. Police have no leads, no evidence, so they can't go any further. Ellie and Michelle, they decide to start working together. Remember, they were never super close, but this tragedy brought them together and has bonded them for life. Angela being away for a weekend was obviously a huge lie Jeff made up on top of all the other lies he started out with the mental health facility, her dying, him setting up this cremation via phone call, and Ellie couldn't live with it. She needed to get to the bottom of what happened to her mom and why her dad was lying. What a really hard place to be in because she trusted her dad her whole life. This seemed like a very, you know, happy little family and they just had them three and they all had each other and then it's just ripped from her because she loses her mom and as she starts to question her dad, I'm sure she starts coming to the realization that, She's going to lose her dad through all of this as well, whether that's just them not having a relationship because she knows he did something to her mom or whether that means sending her own dad to jail. But Ellie, she doesn't care if she has to lose both parents to find out what truly happened to her mom. She will do that. Her mom deserves that. She doesn't deserve to just disappear for eight months and only, you know, a few people around town even know. So Michelle and Ellie come up with these flowcharts. They plan out conversations. They let Ellie know how to reply. And she starts talking with Jeff. She tells him that she can't follow his story. There's all these parts missing. He's saying the death certificate's at home. He's saying there's ashes there. But Ellie knows none of that is at their house. And she knows Jeff is lying. But Jeff keeps denying it. So, Ellie, she moves on with the conversation. She's getting nothing out of her dad, and she asks about that June 20th day, the day that her and Angela got in that fight. Did her mom run away that same night? Did she run away that next day? Since Jeff is now saying Angela simply left on her own. Because Ellie says, well, she didn't take anything. She didn't take her purse, she didn't take her clothes, and. Jeff just says, well, I don't know what she took. And all I know is she ran off, she disappeared, and then someone called me to tell me that she died. And I was very shocked. And Ellie's like, okay, but how do you really think mom would be surviving out there if she's on her own? Because she doesn't have her own bank account. She doesn't have any money. She didn't have a job. Like, what is she doing to live? And of course, Jeff has an answer. She must be staying with a friend who is helping her. And this actually isn't the first time Angela has done this to him. Well, that's what he says anyway. But when Ellie asks him about that, like, okay, well, when did she do this to you? What happened before? He simply tells her that's a conversation for the future. Ellie's frustrated, right? She's trying to say anything to get her dad to admit to something. She can feel it in her gut. I'm sure all of you can see that he is clearly lying and he knows what happened to Angela, but he won't say. So Ellie then asks like, okay, so do you think mom faked her own death? But Jeff, he doesn't think that. He thinks it's more like Angela's pulling a scam on him. Angela wants to get back at him. And he tells Ellie that this is because she was unhappy with me. And at this point, Jeff is done with the questions. He asks Ellie if she's been talking to the police. And she tells him they've only questioned her a few times. Although we know she is working with police to actively try to find out what happened to her mom. And this is when Jeff explains to Ellie that in these situations, police always look at the closest person. For the primary suspect. And obviously he's the closest person to Angela Green. He's her husband. So he's obviously the primary suspect. Ellie's kind of annoyed, right? She already in her mind, he is the primary suspect. She knows this, but he's trying to explain this to Ellie. I think to be like, hey, if the police come out and I'm a suspect, don't believe them. This is just what they do. And also like, don't say anything weird about me because they're already looking at me. But Ellie, she's not in this for her dad's lies. She's in this to find out what happened to her mom. She tells Dateline that her dad's all over the place with his stories. One second she's alive, the next second she's dead, then she's alive, then she's dead, then she ran off, then she died. And it just doesn't make sense. And one of the things that she questions the most is how Jeff knew nothing about Angela's death about how he says he just got this phone call and didn't push for any more information but Jeff Jeff explains this off as saying he was just really busy he was working at that time so when he got this phone call he just didn't worry about it because he knew the information would come I mean this is his wife of at least 20 years he says she ran off and then a few so you're not worried that she just runs off that she's gone you can't get in touch with her she has no money You can see in your bank account that she is not using it because she doesn't have her own debit card and you're not worried then and then you're also not worried when you get a phone call that's like, hey, your wife died and you're like, oh, dang it, I'm at work so I can't really do much about it but please call me later. Give me more information in the future when I'm off work. I'll call you at five. Like, no, that is not how this works. Ellie pushes back at her dad telling him that she knows he would excuse himself every time she called but he's not going to excuse himself from work when her mom his wife is literally dead but Jeff doesn't really have an answer all he can say is that he's not lying that he doesn't have a story that goes in a straight line because he just doesn't quite know what the story is yet and Ellie's like okay whatever. If you're not going to talk to the police, if you're not going to talk to me, why don't you hire a PI, a private investigator, to see where mom is, to have them run down leads, to try to figure out what happened to mom? But he replies saying, quote, she ran off. I don't feel like I need to chase her, end quote. Instead, Jeff hires a criminal defense lawyer that's on standby until something happens. Ellie has told her dad that she respected a liar. You can tell in this moment, she knows something is very off about her dad. But when he says he's not lying, she offers him one more chance. Come to the police station with me. Come to the police station with me and bring your attorney. But Jeff refuses. And this is when he gets frustrated with Ellie, telling her that he's sick of her cross-examining him. He's sick of all the questions. He already told her he doesn't like that. Doesn't she know? He has refused to talk to anyone since. He wouldn't talk to Dateline. He didn't talk to Kendall Ray. He hasn't talked to anyone about his wife's disappearance. Because again, she just ran off. Regardless of all his lies, the police cannot get him to talk to them. Police can't even say for sure if a crime was even committed. Although us in this true crime community, we know that that's probably the likely answer foul play was involved. And as the saying goes, it was probably the husband. And I'm going to stand firm in that with this case. About a year after the investigation started, police run out of leads. And this is when they tell Ellie that they will revisit Angela's case each month, but at this point, it's a cold case. And Ellie's devastated. She has to know what happened. Not only does knowing what happened affect her in the way that it was her mom it happened to, but it affects her in the way that she can kind of have that closure on if her dad had something to do with it. Because if he didn't, I'm sure she would love to have her only living parent in her life, but she feels deep in her gut that her dad did have something to do with it. So at this point, she can't even continue a relationship with him. She can't even stand to look at him. And it's July 2020, just after she's told this, that Ellie and Michelle decide to go public. At this point, she has nothing to lose. She's not talking to her dad. So she posts on Instagram. She appeals to the public for leads. And Michelle does the same. I've seen Michelle on TikTok. They are keeping nothing secret. They're doing interviews like the ones they did on Dateline and on Kendall Ray's YouTube show. But because Jeff will not go on the record about his side of the story or the conflicting things he has told Ellie, there's not even a way for the police to understand why he did this or assess it. Like they can't arrest him based on suspicion or lies because he won't even talk to them. All they've gotten is what Ellie has told them. and You know, a recorded phone call here and there between Jeff and Ellie, not Jeff and the police which is so frustrating because Jeff is literally such a liar. At one point, he even says it's it's possible he saw Angela around their home in 2019. Yes, he tells his daughter this, the end of 2019. He originally told his daughter, Ellie, that her mom, Angela Green, died on July 16th, 2019. Yet, when he all his lies are exposed... He says, you know what, I actually think I saw her lurking around our house like later in the year, November, December, October, maybe in 2019, but I just cannot remember the exact date. And she left again after that and never came back, which is like, that is not true. If your wife is missing for a few months, the mother of your only child, mm, second child, you would literally not see her outside your house and not go up to her during that search the police did of the home when they brought the cadaver dogs put up the crime scene tape they had found Angela's purse her wallet her driver's license her Chinese passport her keys and her car she had no social media I mentioned that in the beginning but she did have a flip phone And that was also left behind. And something I found really strange is that Jeff decided to take over Angela's phone number as his own. Which is just like weird because I'm sure at this point he had his own phone number. So why when Angela goes missing and her phone is left at the home, why would you then like shut her line and take over her phone number? Like I don't get the point in that whether he did something to Angela or not. That just makes no sense. On top of police not being able to find any record of death for Angela, any travel records for Angela, they also find no record of her starting a job, no record of her purchasing anything. There's no activity of her from Jeff's bank statements, which that's what Jeff says himself. Police haven't been able to check his bank statements because, again, he is can't even really be considered, I guess, as a suspect. Now, regardless of all leads being exhausted by 2020 and them telling Ellie that this is a cold case, Captain Brady Sullivan says that the department is actively investigating it. And I actually saw recently that Michelle shared on a Facebook page for Angela. It's Angela Green missing. It's the page run by your family. And she had shared there that the FBI did get involved with the search for Angela and think that was this year in 2022, if I'm remembering right. So even though in 2020, it was kind of considered a cold case, Angela and no, not Angela, Ellie and Michelle going public, I think really made a difference in kind of keeping Angela's name out there and having people really care about it. And having people put the pressure on law enforcement to continue looking because this is obviously not something that should go cold. It's obviously pretty clear what happens here. Like, I, I mean, I honestly would be shocked to find out that Angela was alive or that something else happened to her outside of, you know, it unfortunately being a domestic type situation. That Captain Brady Sullivan says, quote, it is classified as a missing persons case. However, originally there was conflicting information regarding her whereabouts that are concerning. We are still gathering any facts related to this case and are investigating any new leads that surface. We appreciate any assistance from the public and urge anyone with information to contact us, end quote. Now, one interesting thing is the end of the year in 2020, so about a year and a half after Angela goes missing and just a few months after police say they've exhausted all their leads, Ellie decides to collect soil samples from a house Jeff bought a year earlier in the suburb of Lawrence, and he had actually moved Angela's hostas there, which I think I honestly do not know what these are. I was going to look it up, but now I'm recording and I obviously forgot. I think they are like flower, like where she plants her flowers or gardens or like something that holds her gardening because there's flowers mentioned later on. So if you know what a hostas is, let me know. Anyway, Jeff had moved those of Angela's onto this property from their Prairie Village home. Prairie Village is where they lived in Kansas, where Angela went missing from. The Prairie Village police are the ones investigating this whole thing. Now, once Ellie collects these samples, she sends them to a private investigator in California. And she did this because she actually went on the Dr. Phil show and he instructed her to do this. I didn't have the chance to watch her on the Dr. Phil show. Like I said, I watched a few other things and used a few other sources. But they say that she goes on Dr. Phil's show and they obviously talk about the case. I'm sure he's telling her that like this is crazy. And he assumes that there's a lot going on with Jeff behind the surface as well. And he tells her that she should do this. She should collect these soil samples sample, she should send them to this private investigator. And she does. And these private investigators come back to tell Ellie that two cadaver dogs independently marked all three soil samples positive for human remains. Now, I don't know how much I trust cadaver dogs. I think it's very cool. I think the dogs are very cool, very well trained, but there are things that can go into them falsely marking on it being human remains you know there there's just a lot that plays into it however when the PIs turn this information over to the Prairie Village Police they actually issue a search warrant for that property out in Lawrence so clearly it was enough to get them a search warrant to go search and it's on December 23rd 2020 that police arrive at that home They knock on the door and there's no answer. They keep knocking, keep knocking, no answer. But soon they enter and they actually find Jeff locked in a bathroom. He has the radio blasting, probably trying to use it as an excuse of he didn't hear the door. Although I'm sure he knew police were there. Once they find Jeff, they issue the search warrant and let him know that they will be searching the property. They weren't able to bring cadaver dogs. They were unavailable at that time, and I guess they had no option. So instead, it's reported in the Kansas City Magazine that officers dig around the property themselves by hand. Michelle feels that the police totally screwed up this search. She said they worked so hard to get the soil samples, to send them to the PI, to get these hits on human remains by the cadaver dogs, and then police just go to the home and dig around by hand hand like I mean that doesn't make sense to me either it definitely was not the right way to handle this search and can you even find something like human remains when you're just digging by hand I'm sure most people discarding of a body as horrible as that is to say I don't think they are simply digging a hole with their hands they are probably using a shovel you should be using equipment to search the property and since this search there really has been nothing Ellie and Michelle continue to try to get Angela's story out there and they are not giving up Ellie has even tried to go back to her childhood home just so she can gather her things she doesn't want to see Jeff really but she does want her stuff and she even wants some memories of her mother but Jeff refuses to let her in he actually changed the locks and he locks it every time he leaves So Ellie has had no luck and they have absolutely zero relationship at this point, she says. And I just don't understand, Jeff. Like, I mean, you want to go from having a wife and a daughter and a family and people who you quote unquote love to having no one. Angela's gone. You're lying about it. You're losing your daughter. I want to say he probably cares about his daughter, but then at the same time, when people do these things, it's like, how much do you really care about your child? Because if you loved your child unconditionally more than anything on in this world, more than yourself, you would never take their parent from them. You would never murder their mother or murder their father, you know, in a vice versa case. Like, that just doesn't seem like something a parent who actually loves their child would do. Now, I guess I can't technically say that I think Jeff murdered Angela or that he absolutely did anything. That is just my feeling because Jeff has never been arrested. He's never even been talked to because he refuses. Ellie continued to go to school. She felt that this is what her mom would have wanted her to do and Now, although Ellie has broken out of that obedient role and tried to really find herself and be herself, she did continue school, not only because she wanted to, but also she felt that her mom would have wanted her to finish out college. It's during her final semester on Thanksgiving that Ellie is back in town in Prairie Village. And she decides to go over to Brad and Marva's house unannounced to see if she can get any answers from them. In her gut, she feels that they might know a little more than they say. And as Ellie's talking with them, she asks, when did you last see my mom? Marva's like, "Mm, I really don't know, but I think it was about a week after my dog died. And this response really caught Ellie off guard that Marva, her dad's sister-in-law, so her dad's brother's wife, if you don't remember from earlier, Marva is remembering when her dog died, But not when Angela, her sister-in-law, a human mother, went missing. This is kind of part of the reason Ellie believes her aunt and uncle might know more. On top of them refusing to talk with police and saying that maybe an accident happened and saying they think Jeff needs a lawyer. Ellie says, quote, They know they won't talk to me and there's a reason they won't talk to me, end quote. Now, during this visit... Jeff was actually at Brad and Marva's and Ellie didn't expect this. So she talks to him too. I want more answers. I want the truth. And he changes his story again. This article didn't reiterate exactly what he changed his story to, but Ellie just knew he was lying. It was more bullshit on top of bullshit. His story changing legally doesn't matter at this point because he's not lying directly to the police. Oh, he's just lying to his daughter and it's weird and she thinks it's weird and she can report it and she can record it. But police cannot get Jeff to actually lie to them. They cannot actually catch Jeff in his lies because he will not talk to them. And it is his legal right not to speak with police. Michelle thinks one issue here is that the Prairie Village Police Department doesn't have enough resources. Larger police forces deal with this stuff more often, and they have a lot more that they can pull from. This is why Ellie and Michelle are pushing so hard and actively searching for answers themselves. I also think that's really probably... Great news for Michelle and Ellie then that the FBI is now involved in the search for Angela because the FBI clearly has many more resources than a small police department. And that's kind of that. Jeff is out free. This is all speculation surrounding the disappearance of his wife and Ellie's mom, Angela Green. And no one can really do anything about it. Because again, like I've said a million times, he will not talk. But is there something we can do? I mean, these phone calls are recorded. It's very clear that something happened. Can we just arrest him and go for it? Let's just arrest him and go for it. I feel like a jury's going to put him behind. I, this is enough circumstantial evidence for me. But, you know, again, this is why I'm not in law enforcement. <laughs> Ellie and Michelle, they actually want to file a wrongful death suit against Jeff. This is because in that case, he will have to go on record with his side of things. And since he's using his Fifth Amendment rights to protect him from talking to the police, they can use this civil suit to get him to talk, to get him to literally put on record what happened because those Fifth Amendment rights do not apply in civil court. This actually ties back to the huge case Dateline's been working on, the thing about Pam. I don't know if you guys watched the show, listened to the podcast. I've done it all. Pam, you suck. But Pam, police were able to catch her in some of her lies, especially on cross-examining when she was in civil court with Betty's daughters, who is the woman she kills. Well, one of the people she murders. But... You know, she had all these lies and blah, 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 and they were actually able to cross-examine her and tie that back to her statements, her records from the civil suit. So that would actually be very cool if Ellie and Michelle could file this wrongful death suit against Jeff and really get him on the record so that police can really start dissecting his statements and find a way to get Jeff in or to catch him in a lie. Or maybe I'm wrong about the whole thing. Maybe this just seems super suspicious and something else happened. I know that Ellie holds on to a very small chance of hope that her mom is still out there. She told Dateline she doesn't believe it's true, but that holding on to the hope feels kind of good. You know, she she really does want her mom to be alive. She just doesn't think that's the case. And she did tell Kendall Ray on her YouTube channel that she does in fact believe her mom has passed away and this case is just so frustrating so frustrating because it feels like there's everything points you directly to you know at least a starting point for what happened yet nothing can be done Angela Green deserves so much more than to just disappear without a trace to not even have her family notified of her disappearance let alone her maybe maybe not death The way Angela and her family were treated by her spouse, her husband, this man she had quote unquote loved for 20 plus years was absolutely sickening. Jeff Green has not handled this correctly at all. And if he wants to clear his name, then he needs to go on record and he needs to say his side of the story, but he won't do that. And I'm going to be honest and say I think it's because he did something. I think something is clearly very wrong here. This is one of those cases that is unsolved, yet I feel confident in saying I have an idea of what happened. Ellie deserves the truth from her one living parent, and she should have never had to live the rest of her life without her loving and doting mom, Angela Green. is written, research, hosted, and edited by me, Kayla Waters. It's co-hosted by Alicia Jenkins. Our palette cleanser is given to us by Charlie Waters, and our music is created by Jaden Schultz, who you can find on Instagram at In Pajamas Music. Hi,
0: I'm Charlie Waters, and I'm going to be talking about Africa. And did you know there's this animal that is called a kudu? It's kind of like an elk or a moose, moose but it has twisty antlers. antlers. And my dad and my dad just got back from Africa, and he brought me soccer ball, but we have to blow it up, and a dress, me and Willow match with it, and shirts, and he got me shoes made out of a kudu. And he was also at Africa for two weeks. Bye. Have a great day.
1: Don't forget to share these episodes with your friends and family and help spread our podcast so we can keep bringing you content and spreading awareness for victims and their families. You can visit our website at www.truecrimeexposedpodcast.com and visit us on social media. TikTok, you can find us at True Crime Exposed Podcast, Instagram at True Crime Expod, Twitter at True Crime Exposed, and Facebook at True Crime Exposed Podcast. If you have any suggestions on cases or any critiques or anything, if you just want to chat about these cases that we're talking to you about, make sure to message us in our DMs or email us at True crime exposed at gmail.com. So, I was searching for nonprofits around the Kansas area since our case today was based in Kansas and I wanted a nonprofit to share with you that could somewhat correlate back to our case. And I what I found, I found this little site where you can get information on if there is someone you know who is missing and it's not a nonprofit, but I thought it would be just a good website to give you to get information if you're going through this if you know someone who's going through this and i really liked some of the things they said here so it's just kbi.ks.gov and it's the kansas bureau of investigation and they just have this segment where it says someone i know is missing and they go through on what to do if that's happening to you they explain like we all know when we are these kind of people who listen to true crime and really know a lot about it that the first 48 hours are the most crucial in finding a missing child or a missing person so they say to immediately report the person i like that they state on this website that there is no waiting period in all caps Always remember that it's not federally a law to wait 48 hours, 72 hours, like you can report right away. And if they tell you you have to wait, I would honestly just be really pushy and don't take no for an answer. They also give other tips on like what you can do after you report someone as missing. You can ask the police to enter the person into a national crime information center. There's just lots of things they're giving. They give certain situations like if the person's over 65 years old or blah, blah, blah. They tell you to ask for a case number. And there's just a lot of good info on there that I thought would be really beneficial because in these cases, a lot of the times I don't think people know exactly how to go about it. And there's so much misinformation out there. So if you're in Kansas and you are experiencing this, or you know someone going through this, make sure you check out this website to get all the resources you need to know what to do.